0: patrick and back with you for another Bible Thump, and uh, we're in the Gospel of Mark, starting in chapter 10. So, Mark 10, and we're going to look at uh, what Jesus says about marriage. Um, and also, I just want to sort of preface this and say, like, this passage is actually about a lot more than marriage. In fact, I think if we look at a passage like this, and our hope is just to, for Jesus to answer every question we might ever have about marriage, we actually miss the bigger point that he's making— And um, we miss why the gospel is good news, I think. And so, let's, uh, let's take a look. So, Mark 10, Jesus is going to be questioned about divorce. So, Mark 10, starting verse 1, "...he set out from there and went to the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Then crowds converged on him again, and as was his custom, he taught them again. Some of the Pharisees came to test him, asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife?" Jesus replied to them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted us to write divorce papers and send her away. Which, like, side note, that was a way of protecting women in that day and age because um, divorced women could be vulnerable. And according to some Jewish law, like a divorced woman in certain circumstances could be considered unclean. And so this whole practice was designed to protect women who got divorced by their husbands um, so that they could then remarry. Because in that day and age, I mean... You, you got married, right? That was a big part of how you provided for yourself. Um, especially women in that culture, like I'm not, I'm not promoting this, right? This is just the way things were. Um, and so if you were an unmarried woman, if you were a widow, um, that could be a precarious financial, um, financial situation where you would have difficulty providing for yourself. So that's, that's what, what the point of that was. So, um, so, you know, Jesus tells them, You know, he says, they said, Moses, permit us to write divorce papers and send her away. And Jesus said, but Jesus told me, this is what Jesus says. He wrote this command for you. Moses wrote this command for you because of the hardness of your hearts. So you can go back to Deuteronomy and find that passage. Right. And he's saying that whole system of divorce papers and everything like God only permitted that because of you people and your hard hearts. Um, In other words, he's hinting that, that this is not ideal, that this whole system is not ideal for six. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples questioned him about this matter. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. Also, if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked him. Whenever Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. All right. So um, it's important to recognize that this whole passage happens in the context of a really... um, like a really famous, really famous divorce case. Um, Herod had essentially pressured uh, his brother's wife into divorcing his brother so that he could then marry her. So Herod ends up marrying um, his brother's wife, Herodias, uh, and, and it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And in fact, John the Baptist criticized them for this. said this was wrong. He called them out for it, said this was wrong, this was sinful. And John the Baptist had his head chopped off because of speaking out against this, um, saying it wasn't right. And so that's the context in which this comes. And so do you see what the Pharisees are doing? This is something they do constantly in the Gospels, as they're trying to figure out a way to get Jesus uh, put to death, to have him put to death. If he speaks out um, very publicly... And clearly against uh, Herod and Herodias's marriage, saying it's unlawful, um, he could, you know, the Pharisees then have ammo to get him in trouble with Herod, right, to get him arrested. But also, you know, the Pharisees had their own very specific ideas about things like divorce and remarriage and, um, and adultery and all these kinds of things. And so they want to maybe see if they can also, there's also this possibility that they could get him in trouble on those grounds. Maybe he'll say something that doesn't quite line up with their particular view. And remember, um, the the Pharisees were famous, right, for um, sort of extending the law further than what God intended for it. Like drawing laws, building laws around the law to try and get Israel to be more, more pure, and so um so yeah this this passage is the context is 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 a trap, and um Jesus doesn't bite, he doesn't take the bait, right um, this is not merely a passage about Jesus' views on divorce or marriage. it is that, but it's more Jesus, I believe in this passage as he's as he's pressured as he's um as as they try to trap him, is actually indicating that he's got a vision for a better world, a better fuller life in his kingdom, a vision for a better world. So while the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus, Jesus ends up implicitly claiming to be able to return people to God's design, for life and for marriage, and in order to do that what is what has to happen? There's this whole bit about hardness of heart, right? Jesus says the only reason there was this whole um, system of divorce papers, is because people have hard hearts. Now, I want to pause and go, like, what Jesus says later on about adultery, like, that doesn't mean that there's not lawful reasons to get divorced. We could read 1 Corinthians 7, and we'll see that um, Paul, I think, envisions a world in which people will get divorced because they're abandoned by their spouse. Like, if your spouse abandons you, you don't have to stay married to them. I think Paul also, in that passage, envisions a world where um, people might divorce because of, of marital unfaithfulness, right? Um Jesus indicates that, too. Um, but there's other things we could mention, too. Abuse. Um, abuse, neglect. Um, whether it's emotional or physical. Like, you don't—please hear me say this. Like, just because of what Jesus says here in this passage, we shouldn't then say, like, hey, no one should ever get divorced, right? That's not the point here. Um, but Jesus is saying, like, the reason that—I think what he's saying is that the reason divorce exists in the world is because of of hard hearts, now, that's not to say, like, if you've been divorced, that you should really, like, be like, oh, I'm such a hard-hearted person. What's wrong with me? Um, like, it's complicated. Okay? Please hear me say that. It's complicated. But at least someone, anytime a marriage dissolves, at least someone involved in that process, somewhere along the line, probably both people on some level, but at least one person in that marriage relationship had a hard heart that that led to that marriage dissolving, Right? So Jesus doesn't t- spend a bunch of time like rebuking people or making people feel bad if that, if that, that happened in their lives. But what he says is like, uh, he says, guys, that's, I just want you to know that's not God's design. What is God's design? It's for the two to become one flesh, Right. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and the two will become one flesh to join together and and what God has joined together let not man separate in other words we shouldn't think it's in or that we have the authority to dissolve something that God designed for our good we shouldn't think that we can just end this marriage relationship for any reason just because we want to or because it doesn't suit us anymore um i think this is not that different from like what Jesus said about about vows. You know, he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You shouldn't have to promise on, you know, on behalf of your dead grandmother or, or the city of Jerusalem, or, you know, I swear on, on my grandmother's grave or something. Like, you shouldn't have to do that. You should just let your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, do what you say you're going to do. Keep your promises. Be a person of integrity and a person who's true to their commitments. And I think that's God's ideal. For marriage is that we would be true to our commitments. That doesn't mean there's not exceptions in which you might someone might need to get out of a marriage because it's toxic and dangerous to their health and their well being. Please hear me say that. I think there are instances like that, but again, it's God's design. Like, think about this if no one had a hard heart ever, if no one ever made any selfish decisions inside of a marriage relationship, wouldn't that marriage relationship be amazing? It would, wouldn't it? Marriage. It's hard sometimes. I'm married and I love my wife, but man, we get on each other's nerves sometimes, right? And sometimes we get on each other's nerves because um, because I'm being hard hearted, like because I'm being stubborn and I really want my way, and I, I just can't see the ways in which I don't even see the ways in which I'm hurting my wife. And the same is true of her. I mean, sometimes that happens in the other direction, right? Um, we we butt heads. We live at odds with each other sometimes. Marriage can be really difficult sometimes because, because we're hard-hearted people. Because we're selfish people. Because we don't live for the sake of the kingdom of God. Because we don't live for the good of our neighbor. Because we've lost sight of who we were made to be. You see? And so Jesus is implicitly implying here that he's going to do something about hard human hearts. The bond of a husband and wife creates not merely a partnership or a working agreement, but a new entity, a new human being. And as far as Jesus is concerned, what Jesus what Genesis says about marriage, God says. And so the problem here is not with uh with the ideal of marriage, nor with the law, like that that whole, you know, law about certificates of divorce, divorce papers. Um the problem in this passage is the same problem that the Bible presents throughout. The problem is people, right? Israel was, when it came down to it, just like everybody else, they were hard-hearted. They were eager to take God's good designs, uh, God's good intents for human beings, and exploit them and abuse them for selfish gain, to make the things all about them. Uh, marriage tends to be really difficult when we make it all about us. And the same could be said of any relationship in our life. Like, these relationships actually hurt others and harm, our, harm us even when we make it about about ourselves. So NT Wright says this, but this means that for Jesus' comment to make sense, he must be offering a cure for hard heartedness NT Wright says if Jesus is now articulating a rigorous return to the standard of Genesis, to God's original intention for marriage, he's either being hopelessly idealistic or he believes that in the coming that the coming of his kingdom will bring about a way for hearts to be softened. That's exactly what's going on here. Jesus is implying that he can do something to make human hearts whole again, hard hearts, broken hearts whole again, hard hearts soft again, to make us learn to love again. And so that's, that's really the hope of this passage, is that we would learn, whether we're married or not. I mean, you may choose never to get married. Um, whether you're married or not, the promise of this passage is that Jesus can soften your heart to the needs of the people around you. Jesus can open your eyes to ways you can love and serve your nerdy neighbors or your regular neighbors, whether they're nerds or not, right? Um, so, yeah, let's let go of this desire to figure out every in and out of Jesus' view of marriage. Um, and let's let's see that opportunity. Let's see that promise that Jesus, and, and invite Jesus to, to work that promise out in us now. Yes, there's coming a day when he's going to restore his ideal, uh, his, his ideals in the world, the ideals of love and justice and goodness to the world. It's going to take everything our hard hearts have, have wrecked in this world and make it right and new again. But right now, as we're waiting that day, let's ask Jesus um, to soften our hearts, to soften our hearts to the people around us, to soften our hearts towards him. Um, that's what makes this passage really good news. So I want to close with another quote from Inti Wright. What he says about the last couple of verses, because um, I think we can read verses ten through twelve in this way that like um, makes us a lot of people feel guilty for um, their past mistakes in marriage, and I I, I I do want to kind of release you from that because I think we, we might be missing the point. So here's something N.T. Wright says. He says so many people today are bruised by the whole experience of marriage. Uh, by the experience of marriage breakdown that to raise the topic of of divorce let alone to take a strong line on divorce seems seems harsh maybe even unchristian but the next paragraph in mark reminds us of another dimension who today is liable to earn jesus's anger at preventing little children from feeling the warmth of god's love and welcome hardly the churches where though there's always room for plen- plenty of room for improvement youth work often flourishes today he says rather the people who suppose that children and their feelings don't matter and that adults can make whatever arrangements suit them. Marriage breakup can devastate children, even grown-ups, with long-lasting ill effects. Which is kinder or more Christian to say that those things don't matter or to take a strong line like Jesus on behalf of the truly weak and vulnerable? Um, do you see what he's saying there? He's saying in this passage the reason Jesus then this story then comes after this story about divorce and marriage, the story of Jesus blessing children and rebuking his disciples for stopping children from coming to him for blessing is he's challenging us to consider our value system. Are we leaning into this new kingdom he's bringing that promises a change of heart? And to lean into that means, I think, taking steps and saying, God, give me a heart for the vulnerable around me. That's why this transitions to talking about children. Um, You see, this these these issues are bigger than um, than us getting all the answers we want about marriage. Jesus is probably promising to do something about hard hearts and broken hearts and to uh, do something about what's wrong with us on the most fundamental level. And that's really exciting. And I want to lean into that. I want to ask God, show me how uh, my, my heart needs to be softened to the gospel. Show me how my heart needs to be remade so that I see the needs of my neighbor and don't only really see them, but look to meet them and to love my neighbor and point them to Jesus. That's exciting, isn't it? That's that's a worthwhile prayer to pray, isn't it? Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week.